the message is this, the last point of this series is that I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. You hear all of our pastors say, we don't use the D word at our house. That's divorce. I never sling that one. I never pull that bullet out of my case. Are you with me? It's never going to be over. You don't use that word. Have I been tempted to use that word? Yes, I have. But have I used it? No, I have not. I've never breathed that threat over my wife. So today I want to continue in Song of Solomon, the book of Song of Solomon. And we're in chapter 8, the last chapter. And I want to show you Solomon and his wife. I want to show you how he kind of seals the deal. What he's saying to her at the end of the chapter, uh, we believe that he's, he, they're much older now and, and they've been together for a while. And you can see it how he changes in the way he talks to her throughout the book. And so today we're in, in verse 6. And let me read this to you. It says, place me. This is Solomon speaking to his wife. He says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. It's jealousy as enduring as the grave. Love flashes like fire, the brightest kind of flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can rivers drown it. If a man tried to buy love with all his wealth, his offer would be utterly scorned. Come on, somebody. Isn't that good? So what's Solomon really saying here? I'm going to stay right here on this verse, on these verses, and we're just going to rip this apart this morning. We're going to see what Solomon was saying to his wife. So point one, Solomon said to his wife, seal yourself with me. That's number one. Seal yourself with me. You see, Solomon was saying to his wife that you need to seal your heart with me. In other words, I need to be the seal over your heart. Come on, somebody. I need to be the one that keeps everybody else from entering that secret place. Right? Now, in this verse, he talks about seal, use me like a seal over your heart. And then he says, like a seal on your arm. He's talking about two different uh, directions. He's talking about one is inward. You need to seal me on the inside. You need to seal yourself with me on the inside. And then the other was, you need to put a seal. You need to let me seal you on the outside. So on the inside, he's referring to her heart. He's saying, he's saying, you need to guard your heart with me. Come on. He's trying to get her to understand that you need to love me so much that I am the seal of your heart. I am the guardian of your heart. Nobody else can get in here. Why? Because I'm standing there. Right? I'm there, so there's no room for anybody else. Nobody else can get in. I'm not letting anybody else in. It's sealed off with me. Then he's saying to her outwardly, I want you to wear me on your arm like a seal. I think in terms of like a tattoo to where everybody can see that you're spoken for. This is a good one because I know some married women that still dress like they used to dress when they were trying to impress all the men. Come on. You need, you need to act and carry yourself in such a way that says, I'm taken. That doesn't mean you dress like a mama. Right? That means you dress like somebody that's not trying to impress anybody else out there. I've already impressed my man. I've already impressed him so much so that I'm wearing him like a seal. It says to the other men that are drooling at the mouth, uh-uh, buddy, <laughs> you can't come here. No more room in the inn. Right? He needs to be 
the seal of her is what he's saying. I want you to use me like a seal. I want, I want to seal your heart and I want to seal you on the outside. Solomon's saying it's time to seal the deal. It's time to put a guardian at your heart. You don't let anything else into your heart. So number one, he says, seal yourself with me. Number two, he says, love me to the grave. He's talking about a love as strong as death. Watch what what this verse says. It says, for love is as strong as death. It's jealousy as enduring as the grave. How strong is death? I mean, when you die, it's over. C'est tout fini. Right? It's finished. It's done. It's strong. And when it's time to die, you're not going to reverse it. Come on. Death is strong and it's jealousy enduring as the grave. So what is he telling her? He's saying to her, I want you to love me to the grave. I want our love to be as strong as death. I want you to be jealous for me. Come on. It's okay to be jealous in the right way for your spouse. The Bible says that God is a jealous God, right? Not wanting us to serve love or give give any kind of other things to any other gods because he's a jealous God. So what God says to us is that I want you to love me in such a way because I'm jealous and I want all of your love. That's what Solomon's saying to his wife. This love of ours needs to be as serious as death. You don't need to take it for granted. You don't need to hold it lightly. You need to hang on to it firmly and know that this is great. This is important. This is necessary, right? You got to realize that your marriage preaches the gospel to the world. If you put the title Christian on yourself and you're married, you're saying to the world, watch me because when you see us, you're going to see the relationship between man and Christ. So your marriage preaches. So what what message are you preaching in your marriage? Are you preaching that God is somebody that doesn't need to be taken seriously? Because if you don't take your marriage seriously, then people aren't going to take you seriously and they aren't going to see God seriously. Right? I defend our marriage. I protect our marriage. Come on, somebody. I'm not letting the enemy come between us. I know his scheme. That's why I pray for my wife. I pray for this relationship. Why? Because this is the number two most important relationship in my life. Next to God, it's her. It's me. Right? And it's as serious as death. And it's jealousy is is as enduring as the grave. In other words, it's going to last for a very long time. Solomon's saying to his wife, I want you to, I want to be the seal of your heart and on your arm. And he's saying, I want you, I want, I want you to love me to the grave. Most of us take our wedding vows for granted when we say, till death do us part. Or we say things like, for better or for worse. Right? Some of us, <laughs> some people have wished 
they could have put another part in there that said for better or for worse or till I'm tired. So that that way they had an out, right? But when you make a covenant to each other and you make a covenant to God, listen to me, there's no way out except the grave. And you got to take your words seriously. That's why I try to scare people in, in premarital counseling. I try to scare them out of marriage. I think I'm two for two right now. Because if you're not willing to take this serious, don't jump in. Come on. If you're not willing to let him be the seal on your heart and let him guard you and let him protect you, then don't go in. Right? Because I believe when you stand before man and each other and God and you say, till death do us part and for better or worse, you actually mean it. (laughs) Right? You actually mean it. That means that when better comes, you rejoice. When worse comes, you stick it out. Right? I'm not going anywhere. Cheryl has seen my better and she has seen plenty of my worse. And she's with me. She's not leaving. I'll share a story with you. It's kind of a transparent story Cheryl and I in a couple of months will have been together for 22 years we dated for four took her a while to make her mind up and then we've been married coming up on 18 years and I praise God for that because my daddy's on his fifth marriage my mom was on her second all of my aunts and uncles have been remarried except for one two two of my aunts it was a generational curse knocking on my door my whole life. And thank God it's broken. But when we were dating for those four years, I wasn't faithful. I was unfaithful to her. And so we're getting ready to be married. And we had this little moment where we were going to come clean with one another and say, you know, have you been unfaithful? No. Have you been unfaithful? No. And that was how the conversation went. And I bald-faced lied to her. And so we got married. A couple years into marriage, I'll never forget, I was sitting in the Broussard Church in the lodge. This is back before they had the nice fancy buildings. It was just an old square building with orange plastic chairs. And Pastor Jacob was preaching, and he said he made a funny joke about your relationship with your wife. And in the midst of that joke, the Holy Spirit jumped on me like a hound dog. And he said to me, it's time to come clean. And I said, you must be crazy. She already said I do and I already said I didn't. Come clean, are you nuts? Do you not want me to stay married? And so I pushed what the Holy Spirit had told me aside and we went home that day and I laid down to try to take a nap. Mm-mm. Nope, couldn't take a nap. I was tormented. He said to tell her. And I'll never forget, she was taking a bath. I figured that was the safest time. Because, you know, if she jumped out the tub, maybe she would slip and give me a chance to get out the house. And I went and I knelt down outside the tub. and I confessed my sin to her, shaking in my boots. I was scared to death because I was going to lose her. That's what the enemy said. It's over, bro. You say this, it's over. 
And I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, I knew. I had my suspicions. Don't talk about break you in half. She didn't hit me. She didn't chase me out of the house. It was cold for a little while. But I confessed my sin and I repented to her. And she forgave me. And she stayed for better or for worse. And that totally changed my life right there. Totally gave me a new respect for Cheryl because she had an out. She could have took scripture and said, I got an out. But she didn't. You see, the enemy is going to place outs in front of you. And you got to determine right now, are you going to take them? Are you going to entertain them? Or are you going to push them to the side? So she's seen my worst and she's seen my better. And today she trusts me. I've been faithful for 18 years. And I plan to be faithful to the end. Amen. My plan is to not break her heart again. So she's, she's seen my ugly. She's seen my pretty, right? Don't we get to see that in one another? I've been mean to her. I've said things to try to hurt her. I've been intentional in trying to hurt her. And she's still with me. She stayed through my worst and she's enjoying hopefully the better than ever before. You see, people say to you, or maybe you've been told, or even the movies say, that when you get married, your spouse should complete you, right? Y'all remember the, the movie, um, Jerry Maguire? And she, she looks at, I think it was Tom Cruise, because goes, you complete me. That is such a lie. Man, that's a lie, right? What he should have said if he was being truthful is, you're going to disappoint me. You're going to break my heart. You're going to hurt me deeper than anybody has ever hurt me. That's what should have been said. Because only the people closest to you can hurt you like nobody else can. Right? The truth and the reality is, is that your spouse will disappoint you. They will let you down. They will fall on their face and they will make mistakes and they will say stupid stuff. Regularly. And they will hurt you. Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. You ever have somebody just kill you with kindness? Right? It's like when you just, you just had enough and you blow up on somebody, and they just look at you with that old godly smile, and they go, Bless you. But they really mean it. How does that make you feel? You kind of go. The Bible says a wise man overlooks offenses. And he's slow to anger. So the first thing Solomon says to his wife is seal yourself with me. The second thing is love me to the grave. All the way to the grave. The third thing he says is let me keep your attention. Let me keep your attention. 
You see, it's funny because he's telling his wife what she needs to do. Right? He's telling her, let me keep your attention. He's not saying, I need to do everything in my power to keep your attention. He's saying, let me keep your attention. In other words, stay focused on me. Don't let anything else steal your attention is what he's saying to her. Right? So look at what it says in the next, the next portion of the scripture. It says, love flashes like fire, the brightest kind of flame. How many of you ever, how many of you ever threw gasoline on a fire? Come on, be honest. Your parents are, are not here. What is it like when you throw gasoline? Especially back in the day before they had all these additives. And like when gasoline was gasoline. In its purest form. You take a, a container full of gasoline. You stayed back if you were wise. And actually if you were wise you wouldn't be throwing gasoline on the fire. But you were less dumb. So you stood back and you threw that gasoline on. What happens? It goes, whoa. You feel it, smell it, sense it, breathe it. Taste it, right? And if you were too close, it singed you. It got your attention, right? It might have got your parents' attention, which wasn't good attention. But Solomon's saying to his wife, let me be like a flash of fire. Let me keep your attention. In other words, let me affect all of your senses. Let me keep your attention like a bright flame. There's been many things in Cheryl and I's marriage thus far that have tried to steal our attention from one another. There's been my ignorance. There's been my vision. There's been my dreams. You see, God fulfills dreams, right? (laughs) This is an interactive church. God fulfills your dreams, right? When he fulfills your dreams, you got to know this, that there's a test in the fulfilling of that dream. So, So God's fulfilled some of my dreams. So when he fulfills the dream, I didn't realize I was going into a test And what I did is I let the dream take the place of my spouse. In fact, it went further than that and it took the place of him. But you say, well, he gave you the dream. Yeah, he gave you the dream. And he fulfilled it. But he didn't want you to fall in love with it. He wanted wanted you to keep your attention where it belonged. You see, children come and children try to steal our attention, don't they? I've shared with you before, our our goal and mission today is to see how long we can get away from from the kids. We're getting an expert at hiding, right? And they're at the age where they want to be in the business. They want to know everything. And I don't know if we got a double anointing at our house, but I mean, they want to know everything. It's hard to go talk somewhere, right? It's hard to have a moment. I got back from D.C. yesterday morning and Cheryl and I wanted to have a private conversation. And we're talking in the kitchen thinking nobody else is around and Ethan's peeping around the corner. If you're not careful, you can let your kids get so busy that they'll steal your attention from one another. 
I'm going to go ahead and say this. How dare you let a child's event get between you and your spouse? Listen, if it's time for a date, a hot date, you've been in a dry and weary land, and it's time for a hot date and your boy's got an all-star game, cancel the game. He'll live. Right? Don't let anything steal your attention from one another. He says this, he goes on and he says, your love, he says, it flashes like light. It's a bright flame. He says, many waters cannot quench love, nor can rivers drown it. I do some things sometimes that probably annoy my wife to death. I got this thing on me about using realtors to sell houses. I guess you could say I'm an anti-realtor. I just have a problem giving 6% to somebody for showing my house. When I had to clean it and I had to get it right and they just get to come show it. Now, if they want to come clean it and get it right, we can talk, right? Come on, somebody. But I got this thing. And so it's just always been that way. And the Lord's blessed me. I've never had to use one to sell a house before. And, and I'm, I'm praying this time's the same. And so I just got this thing that I don't need you unless I'm looking for something. I'm just being real. So we put our house up for sale. I get this old broke down for sale sign. Sam says it's anointed. (laughs) So anybody wants to use my sign afterwards, let's finish the deal first. But so I take this old broke down sign out the barn. I knock the dust off of it and I get some spray paint and I spray over the last thing I tried to sell and it doesn't stick real well. And I let it dry and I put on there house for sale by appointment only, and I put my cell number, and I go outside, and I stick it in the ground by the road, and I walk off, and within an hour or two or three hours, I get a phone call, and these people want to come see the house. So two days later, they come to the house, and they bring a realtor friend with them. You see where this is going. That was actually the second time they came. They came one time, Yeah, they came one morning, and then they came like the next day and said, can we see the property and everything and this and that. So they bring the realtor friend with them. And so we're sitting there, and we walked the property. They saw every square inch. They saw the ugly, the good, the bad, all that stuff. And so we go inside, and they go, well, we want to make an offer. I'm like, oh, yeah. And so they made an offer, and I countered, and they took my counter. I was like, yes. And then realtors sitting right there. So we all just start talking. Everybody's kind of happy we made a deal, okay? They really don't know how ecstatic I am. So everybody's just kind of talking, and the realtor lady's there, and she's talking about realtor stuff and the values of houses and all this. And for some reason, I just said this. I said, you know, I've never had to use a realtor to sell a house. And I pray to God I never have to. And I felt the heat from my wife's eyes just staring at me. And I meant it with good intentions. I was like confessing that God sells my house, not you. So afterwards, my wife goes, you know, you don't have to say that. I'm like, say what? You don't have to tell the realtor that you don't like her. I'm like, I didn't think I did anything wrong. I'm like, what do you mean? So there's things that I do that annoy her. 
There's things that she does that annoys me. And we got to put up with one another. Right? Come on, son. This, you got to get real this morning. You got to put up with your spouse. Don't sit here all over sanctified and everything else. You, they, they bother you. It may be that they smack. It may be that they, they, they snore. It may be that they do other things. And, and you just got to put up with them. Right? But you can't let those little things quench your love for one another. Listen, I'm glad that my wife told me that I didn't need to say that to the realtor. The light bulb came on. Next time I was around the realtor, I tried, I wanted to say it again. And I was like, I heard my wife's voice. You know, you don't have to say that. I said, okay. So Solomon's saying to his wife, don't let anything come in and quench or drown our love for one another. You see, it's my responsibility to not let anything quench my love for Cheryl. And it's her responsibility to not let anything drown or quench her love for me. This is my self-responsibility in this marriage. Is that I got to guard myself and she has to guard herself. Right? It's not that I guard her and she guards me. I guard me. I got to guard my heart. Right? I can't let something else in. I can't let those silly things quench the passion and quench the fire. Right? And the fourth thing he says to his wife is let nothing be more valuable than your love for me. Look at the verse he uses for that. He says, if a man tried to buy love with all his wealth, his offer would be utterly scorned. In other words, Solomon is saying to his wife, let nothing ever gain more value than me. Let nothing ever come in and buy me out. Don't put me up for sale. Right? Don't let nothing become more valuable than me. This relationship we've got, this love for one another, don't let anything become more valuable. I'm worth more than any treasure the world has to offer. Don't we want to hear that from one another? Don't we want to feel that value? Listen, my wife loves when I lay my life down to do something with her. She loves it. Butters the bread. Come on. Puts honey on the biscuits. So Solomon's been talking to his wife about love. And he's told her how to love him. In essence, that's what he said. This is how you need to love me. And I believe that he was saying to her what he was willing to do himself was to love one another beyond that. And so this love that, that Solomon is talking about is actually has a name. It's called Ahava love. A-H-A-V-A. Ahava. You need to remember that word. Say that with me. Say Ahava. Ahava. Say it again. Ahava. Ahava. 
I wanted to say, in fact, all last night I had to practice, I wanted to say ahave. <laughs> you know how we are in Cajun country. We'll twist the word up quick. Right? So, but it's ahava. It, that the love that Solomon is talking about in this portion of scripture is the word ahava. And the word ahava means I'm not leaving. I'm not quitting. I'm not going anywhere. It's the kind of love that Jesus displayed in the garden and on the cross. It's the kind of love that says, I'm not bailing out. I'm not taking the next train. I'm not looking for an excuse. I'm not looking at your failures and letting them mess me up. I am here and I am not leaving. I'm digging my boots in and I'm not being moved. I am with you to the grave. That's Ahava love. That's the kind of love that Jesus promises to us. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Has he left you or forsaken you yet? He has not. Why? Because he has Ahava love for you. The kind of love that is unmoved. The kind of love that goes through the thick and the thin. The better and the worse. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Right? It's putting up with their stuff. It's learning how to communicate. It's saying that I'm not going anywhere. And let me give you this. You can't wait until you get to the point where you feel like getting out to decide that you're going to have Ahava love. It's too late. If you wait till the meltdown or the breakdown, it's too late to try to get some Ahava love. You got to set it in your heart today that I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I'm with you to the grave. Ahava love is a clinging kind of love. It's the kind of love you see displayed in Ruth and Naomi. It's I'm sticking with you. It's I'm not going to bail out on you. It's a we're going to make it to the end kind of love. And let me tell you this, it's more than a Valentine kind of love. It goes beyond your emotions. It goes beyond your feelings. It goes into a covenant with God that you both make. And you say, I'm not leaving her until the grave. Does that mean it's going to be problem free? No. Does that mean that you'll never need some marriage counseling? No. I believe another great secret of marriage is learning how to say to one another what's bothering me in the right environment. I think it's a secret to marriage. In fact, it's a secret to relationships of any kind. That if, if Cheryl's doing something that annoys me, I need to be able to tell her. Now, the complicated part of all that is, is that she's got to be receptive, right? And I got to come in with the right... RPMs. (laughs) RPMs. <laughs> For me, it's RPMs. That's how I want to come in and correct the situation. And I never get a good response when I'm trying to correct the situation. So I may need to go pray and get with Jesus for a little while and come back and say, baby, you laughing. 
Get you a, get you get yourself in a relationship with somebody that don't like to be told they were wrong. You see, I told you the other day we swapped roles. She told me something I didn't want to hear, and she got to realize how she, how I feel when I tell her. Anyway, we we reversed roles, and it worked out because we got to see how each other feels when we do certain things. And so you got to be able to communicate, right? The Bible never said you had to suffer through marriage. He said you gotta, you're supposed to enjoy this relationship that he's given you. Well, to enjoy it, you sometimes got to reposition, right, and correct some things. Back in the day when we used to fit on the sofa together, <laughs> some of you still can. May the Lord bless you. I'm glad you can fit on the sofa. Them days are over with. I outgrew the sofa and Cheryl. But there were times we used to lay on the sofa together. And when you get together like that, sometimes she's in a position that's uncomfortable. And I need to not sit there and be in pain. I need to say, hey, baby, can you move your leg? Right? That's what I'm saying. It's valuable. Amen? It's an ahava kind of love. I know some of you here today have, honestly, you've probably been tempted to take the bailout. You've probably been tempted to use the excuse to end it all. There's some of you today that probably walked in and went, if it ends, oh well. It might be better just to start over. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you're sitting here today and you go, you know what? I've never thought about it that way. I mean, I wasn't planning on going anywhere, but now I'm really not. Praise God. Amen? I'm going to get the worship team up here this morning. And I want to spend a little bit of time because I want to close this series outright. Because I believe your marriage is the greatest testimony to Jesus you have. And I believe it's the greatest testimony this church has. Is great marriages. You've heard me say that it's been prophesied that this will be a church of great marriages. And I can tell you that God is working in our marriages. The reason I know he's working in our marriages is because he's been working in mine. And typically the leader goes first. Right? So if you would stand up with me this morning, I just want to pray for you. And if you're in a spot, whatever spot you're in today, Wherever you find yourself today, I just want to say to you, it's okay to be there. It's not okay to stay there. Today's your day to come out. Maybe you've been on the fence in your marriage. Maybe you've been almost in a la-la land kind of way with your marriage, and it's just kind of been so busy that you hadn't even thought about it. My prayer today is that God would stir the flames of your marriage, the flames of your relationships, that the passion would burn hot again. My prayer today is that you would would get your attention, she would get your attention and you would get hers and that you wouldn't let it go away and that you wouldn't let anything come and quench or drown 
this love for one another. And so wherever you're at today, I just want you to make an honest confession to God about where you are. Right there where you're at, just an honest confession to God. Maybe you need to say something like, you know what, Lord, I've just kind of been playing it safe. Or maybe you need to say, Lord, you know what, I've just kind of been stale. Maybe you need to say, Lord, I've been annoyed and aggravated with them. Maybe you need to say, Lord, I've been looking for a way out. Wherever you're at today, just make that confession to God. Lord, I come to you and I pray this morning for great marriages. The kind of marriage that Solomon was talking about to his wife where each partner seals their heart and their arm with the other. Lord, well, we, we don't even take another option. We don't even look at anything. We don't window shop. We don't do anything else. We guard our heart and we guard our bodies. And Lord, we protect one another and we seal one another. This thing's not going to be opened. It's sealed. Lord, I pray for just the kind of attitude and the kind of grit, Lord, that it takes to make it to the end. I just pray for steadfastness over marriages, Lord. Father, where we each take our feet and we dig them deep into the sand or the clay and we say, I'm not going to be moved. We're saying it to ourselves. We're saying it to you. We're saying it to the world around us that I'm not going to be moved. I'm making my mind up today that I am with her or him to the end of the days. I just pray that over these marriages, Lord. Father, for the attention, for the flames, just like that gasoline being thrown on the fire, Lord, that that's the way our marriages will go. And Father, we'll sense when the flame is getting a little, little low and we'll throw some gasoline on it, Father. That'll ignite all of our senses. Lord, I pray for nothing to ever be more valuable than these marriages. So Lord, I ask you today to protect marriages, to grace marriages, to pour your mercy out on these marriages, Lord. Protect us. Keep us safe, Lord, and camp your angels around these marriages, Lord. Be with us, Father. Blow the fresh breath of your Holy Spirit on top of these marriages, Lord. I pray that you would ignite them, that you would stir the passions and the romance. And, Father, we'll learn to love one another and cling to one another and not ever let go of one another. And, Lord, we'll learn how to communicate. We'll learn how to say when something hurts and when something doesn't feel right. But, Lord, we'll also learn how to say, man, you nailed it. Boy, you got it right. I pray, Lord, we'll learn to say those things to one another, communicate to one another. Because, Lord, the enemy wants to destroy marriages. And as bad as he wants to destroy marriages, you want to keep marriages. And not just keep them to keep them safe, Lord, but you want them to thrive. And you want them to be a beacon of light in this dark world. Father, we're, we're, because we're surrounded by people that are looking for a way out. Lord, I pray that people would see us as people who would never look for a way out. We're looking for a way to stay. And so I bless you this, this morning, Lord. And 
And I bless these marriages. I say to every marriage in here, be blessed in the name of Jesus. Grace, grace over your marriage. Peace over your marriage. Protection over your marriage. I just pray passion increase. Romance increase. Flirting increase, Lord, in the marriages. Speak that over them. Life, Lord. We learn to give life to one another. So thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name.